your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, today we're calling, uh, we're talking about why we suffer for another. And, you know, there's a lot of Buddhism that, that falls around suffering. And so we're going to pull a little bit away from their philosophy, but we're also going to go towards the Christian philosophy, and then we're going to go towards the basis of suffering, which is very important to talk about, because when you choose to suffer for another, that's different than pain. Pain is caused in all relationships, but when you choose to suffer for your partner, let's say in marriage, for your relationship, for your children, when we do that, that is an act of compassion. It's an act. It's the deepest part of love you could possibly display. And sometimes you find that people have what are called transactional relationships. Yeah, they take the kids to the game. They do this, but they hardly ever talk. They hardly ever care about each other. They hardly ever show any compassion or empathy for the issues that they go through on a daily basis. Yet they still coexist. They still have a partnership and probably a diminished sex life. But the bottom line is suffering for another is when you find that your relationship has endurance, when it has the ability to be resilient. And so it's very important to understand the, uh, the concept of suffering because suffering in itself is about relationships. It is about commitments. It is about the ability to see the good in everyone that we choose to suffer for. All right, so what is suffering? Well, I would say it's the resistance to truth. Uh, pain's inevitable, but suffering is optional. And so we've suffered quite a bit over, over the past few years, if you think about COVID. And some people in this world, sadly, have suffered more than their fair share. And our hearts should go out to those people. The unfortunate truth of life is that it is not fair. Fair is a place where they judge pigs. There is no fair. But the Gen Z population, 8 to about 22 years old, they believe in fairness no matter what. So all of our children should be taught how to be transvestites in school. Everybody should be equal and, and in every possible way. Well, my friends, that's called communism and, uh, and, and equalitarianism, which is a wonderful thing in concept, but not in life. We have to ebb and flow. That's how life is lived, ebb and flow, not fair. That's crazy. Fair has enormous sacrifice to that, and it diminishes individuality. You know, I'm not a Buddhist, and so there's not much to be appreciated and learned about how to deal with suffering from my perception uh, of life. But if you look at the Buddhist philosophies, they do offer some nice things to think about to understand why suffering is so important. Well, number one, life is suffering. And the cause of suffering is our meaning and desire that we give things in our life. If I were going to buy a very expensive car, I'm going to suffer for that. If I'm going to buy uh, 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 an RV, I'm going to suffer for that. If I'm going to buy a house I can't afford, I will suffer for that. So the things that we desire tend to be the things that we suffer for. You know, if we desire our partner and to have them in our life, we suffer through that. 
and the cause of desire might be overcome. You know, when desire is overcome, there's no more suffering. And so that would be called apathy. No, apathy is not a great place to live because we need our emotions to motivate us to do things. And it seems pessimistic to start about a foundational tenet that life is suffering. You know what? You know, why not say life is beautiful? Certainly life can be beautiful and we should practice gratitude for many miracles and wonders that life has to offer. But another truth is that whether one is a a poor person or or a king, everyone suffers. And we must learn to skillfully deal with the challenge of suffering, and it will undermine our ability to enjoy life if if we don't. And, and you know, Buddha might have been keenly interested in helping people with suffering because while Buddhism originated around 2,500 years ago in India, by the way, there was much more suffering on the whole world than there is now. It's different. And although there's still tremendous suffering today, much room for improvement, the magnitude of suffering throughout most of the human history is beyond reckoning. Deaths from war, disease, plagues, famine, homicide is all was much worse throughout the world than they are today. But, you know, most of recorded history, if you think about it, is utter boredom surrounded by war. You know, at its core, Buddhism is a discipline for understanding the nature of suffering and the transcending of it. And so it's really interesting that life uh, might be unsatisfactory unless we are able to put in meaning and suffering into life. That means that anything hard makes your life easier. That means you have to suffer to learn something that other people don't learn. And they seek you for that knowledge, which is a wonderful thing as far as survival is concerned. You know, if we have to think about it, suffering is required to do hard things in life. Suffering is required if we don't do anything in our life. We suffer if we do and we suffer if we don't. But the deal is we choose to suffer for another person. And that is the most powerful, most giving thing we can possibly do for another person. You know, we might be, uh, if if a person is always in pursuit of life, of their wants and desires, they're going to live a very much of a suffering life. You know, when we don't obtain what we desire, we suffer dissatisfaction. However, you know, this is key. Even when we obtain that, what that we want and desire, we quickly adapt to whatever it is and return to the baseline levels of happiness or unhappiness. That, you know, so we return to searching for something else that will really make and keep us satisfied the next time around. So the grass is always greener on the other side. But if you think about it, happiness is accepting what you have and making the best of what you already have. You know, happiness is best grown under your own feet. And so it's really interesting to understand that we suffer, and this is according to Maslow's hierarchy, we suffer when we don't get our basic needs met for air, food, water, shelter, safety from the elements. We also suffer when we get injured, sick, fired from our jobs. We experience deep pain and loss when loved ones die or divorce happens. You know, let's call this type of inevitable suffering level number one suffering, you know, in the very fundamental level. You know, we feel ill when we eat rotten food because it could kill us. In contrast, 
Ripe apples taste good to us and we take pleasure in eating it because they're a healthy source of energy that can help us survive. You know, so healthy relationships, and this is just an analogy, but healthy relationships tend to make us happy because strong social bonds are necessary for our survival. In contrast, rejection and bullying are painful to us in part because they motivate us to try not to let those things happen. Historically, rejection by our tribe could mean death to the to to ourself and the pain of all of our relationships going wrong at the same time. And so we and we experience various types of happiness or suffering, we tend to re return back to our baselines of happiness rather quickly. And so, you know, our whole goal is to keep accomplishing, 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 keep setting things in front of us. That's great because it's called experiential learning. And we need to get much better at that. But experiential learning means you're going to take leaps of faith and have the chance to potentially suffer for that. You know, I was looking for a new car for my wife and uh, we were looking, I was looking for it last week. And then I got to the idea of I got to get a loan. And once I looked at the cost of a loan, oh, my Lord, suffering began and honing down the idea of the vehicle really, really, really got to a lot of suffering because the idea is to try to get her in the most safest vehicle possible that accommodates her needs. And the whole deal is that could be extremely expensive. And so the bottom line, I got lucky because she decided to keep her own vehicle that is already paid for. Yay. All right. So when we experience various types of happiness or suffering, we tend to return back to happiness, as I said before. And so we are fortunate to live in a world in which we benefit from the miracles of modern modern day uh, uh, today, the modern technology that we all enjoy. It's a great thing to have that. But it also comes with suffering because now we're seeing in social media mostly how people suffer. News is based on how people suffer. That's the things that we stare at on the Internet often have to do with suffering. Some of the funniest moments in life have to do with somebody else suffering. And so we have to understand that we share this suffering with each other throughout the course of life. And, and, and it's rooted in our heritage and, in, and also in our evolutionary heritage. You know, if, if the dinner that we ate last Friday gave us long-lasting happiness, we wouldn't have a good reference point for evaluating whether our current such lunch or dinner is good or bad. You know, if, if, if we had a stomach uh, illness a year ago and continue to make us feel bad after we recovered, it would be difficult to know what current health status is. And so that in itself calls for suffering because we don't know why we're suffering. You know, oftentimes, if you think about it, people that have somatic pains, hypochondriacs, those folks tend to always be predicting suffering. People that are depressed often are catastrophizing and suffering all the way through that. So the anticipation of what we create in life often causes enormous suffering in our own minds. We do this to ourselves. And it's amazing how much we do suffering to ourselves, because what is important to understand is we are meant to suffer for other people, not for ourselves. We are not victims. We make choices. What we want to do is stand in front of people and stand with people and walk next to them, not in front of them, not behind them. A true friend will walk next to you in their suffering. 
And that is exactly, if you think about it, what Christ did when he came to this earth, he suffered for other people's pain. And when he did that, it helped them heal. That's how he developed such a strong calling in life and, and such a strong audience. And it wasn't until after he died and suffered his death at the hands of, of, of mankind that actually uh, the disciples woke up and discovered that, oh, we're supposed to be giving compassion to other people. You know, our life is not about us. And often we can do little about suffering because the type of suffering is part of our human condition and it's necessary for our survival because pain is a reminder that you're still alive and so there's another level of suffering that especially in today's world is perhaps more uh, uh pervasive than regular suffering we call this a level two suffering and it relates to the suffering is optional from the above quote which i i mentioned in the in in previously is that Basically, pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. And so, you know, in looking at that, you know, it's really important to understand while it's part of our universal nature to seek pleasure and avoid pain, culture plays a central role in how we deal with suffering. In the West, here in America, we generally reject suffering. We see it as an unwelcome interruption of our pursuit of happiness. So we fight it. We repress it. We medicate it. Search for quick fix of solutions to get rid of it. And in some cultures, especially in the East, suffering is acknowledged for the important role it plays in people's lives. You know, in the meandering path towards enlightenment, you know, we have to understand that it's possible to reach enlightenment or nirvana by understanding that we don't fight life we stay in it can you live as if you are going to live that you have no future and you have no past can you just be that can you focus like that that's called existentialism existing in the moment such a powerful thing that we can all do you know if we learn to do that fear does not operate our life when faith enters, fear leaves. When fear enters, faith leaves. If you started to live in more faith, you would have less fear in your life. Guess what? That'd cure your anxiety. But that's a thought disorder. And that's how to cure it. Faith. It's a wonderful thing. You know, it, it, it's amazing how we much deep respect that reality can give us and the acceptance of reality for our potential, our limitations, and our humanity. You know, the, fa the fact that we are not here to control outcomes, we are here to influence each other. And if we are not trying to control outcomes, we live a much less psychotic life. That means that we stand with people who suffer. We choose to be there feeling for our partner instead of defending ourselves when we're in a relationship we don't have to be defensive if somebody's mad at us we can actually suffer for them and go gosh i'm sorry you feel that way i'm sorry i i came across like that i didn't realize you, you you're hurt from this that's a terrible thing and so what i'm trying to get to is if we suffered for one another, we would understand that every conflict we ever have with any human being is about resolving trust. And the other thing about conflict is it's meant to make the relationship better. People would not put that kind of energy into each other unless they wanted to make the relationship better. The problem is one or the other get defensive, one or the other stop listening, and then things start to escalate into a big Broadway production. And so sadly, we as people 
tend to listen to tone more than we listen to words. So we listen to context rather than content. Most fights in all relationships suffer from the idea that somebody is upset about how they're being talked to, not the words that you're saying, not that what you're saying is not correct. It's the, it's the tone that we give each other that makes us offended. And so a lot of people don't realize that they have to work on their tone if they want to do conflict. Because if you come across as condescending, nobody's going to want to hear what you have to say. You could be the smartest person in the world, but if you're sarcastic and condescending, you've also you've under, pretty much cut your intelligence in half in other people's eyes because of the way that you're expressing yourself. You know, the fact that suffering yields benefits does not imply that we ought to seek it actively. Just as the fact that sickness actually strengthens our immune system does not imply that we need to look for opportunities to become sick. You know, we naturally seek pleasure in our lives, trying to minimize the amount of pain we endure. The imperfect, the impermanent world provides us ample opportunities without us actively looking to fortify our own immunities. Negativity is everywhere if you want to be. And as a matter of fact, most people are their own worst critic. Most people will actually be looking for negative things about themselves, call themselves a failure, and pretty much live in that philosophical uh, mind space that I'm a failure at everything I do, and then they self-defeat in everything that they do simply because they have collected evidence over time, biased research, that has proved to them what a failure they are. Life is about blessings and lessons. Blessings and lessons. It is not failure. If we go that way, we turn our lessons into what's called a testimonial. Very important part of life. Very important for us to grab onto that. You know, the truth of suffering, you know, a truth that we can either reject or accept as an inevitable part of being a human being. And when we learn to accept and embrace that pain is a part of life, we do a lot better with pain and suffering. We understand that that comes with this life and that we have to become able to sustain ourselves even through suffering, even through pain to become what's called resilient. And every person that was ever referred to in the Bible of any significant taught us how to be resilient. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Dr. Connie Mariano is a groundbreaker. She was the White House physician to three presidents, toured the world on Air Force One, and has had countless amazing experiences. The one thing that life didn't prepare her for was becoming a widow. After losing her beloved husband, John, in a tragic accident, Dr. Connie joined the one million women who were widowed in the United States each year. While her journey as a widow has been one of intense grief and sorrow, it has also been one of extraordinary growth and rebirth. 
Now, Dr. Connie is sharing what she's learned, joined by her knowledgeable guests to help anyone struggling with this deeply personal and often lonely journey of their own. Tune into The Widow's Walk, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Why are we talking about suffering? Why we suffer for another? You know, I, I'm not going to get all biblical here, but I am going to talk about Jesus. I, I talked about Jesus a little bit earlier, but I'm going to talk about Jesus. You know, it, he experienced in the Garden of Gethsemane the mental and emotional suffering of taking upon the consequences of everyone else from Adam and Eve to the last person who will ever live. And that, that an unimaginable mental and emotional weight caused him literally to sweat blood. And so look at this in this life he experienced mental and emotional suffering fear dread sorrow anxiety disappointment delusionment crippled crippling depression extreme nervous fatigue and if you experience total abandonment and outright denial of family friends even even your religious uh, leaders that they call themselves he understood He understood what we go through in this life, and he suffered for us in his death. And so it's really important for us to understand that that is our job as people for each other so that we can eliminate all of the disappointment, all the suffering, all the delusionment. You don't honor it with being defensive. You honor it with compassion. And that is the deepest part of suffering. And if we learn how to have compassion for each other, we will eliminate, and and not necessarily completely, but we will uh, make life a lot better because our goal would be to do away with suffering, fear, dread, sorrow, anxiety, disappointment, delusionment, depression, extreme fatigue, all that stuff, abandonment. We would try, if we had more compassion for each other, we would have so much less suffering in this life. And I would suggest to you that suffering is a emotional intelligence issue and that you have to learn to go towards pain, not away from it. And if you want it to come down, if you want it to get better, you have to accept pain sometimes to make your life better. You know, uh, it, it, it's just amazing that, you know, the, 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 when we think about the humiliations and the defeats and the ridicule and the attacks on our reputation, the slander, the gossip, all judgment, we go through life. People that want to be single and live alone and never have anybody love them, people that are emotionally unavailable but go through all those things, can you imagine what that does to their psyche? Because they're too proud, they're too angry, they're too defensive 
uh, uh, they're, they're too much about themselves that they just lock themselves up with facing humiliation, defeat, ridicule, attacks, slander, gossip, false judgment, all these things in life that we all go through. And if we don't learn to suffer for each other, it doesn't get better. We have to have safe harbors in our lives. Hopefully that's your marriage. But if it's not, it's got to be a relationship that you have where trust is the priority and you can be yourself and you guys can learn to have compassion for each other so that we can have compassion for the world. And the more that we learn compassion for each other and how important it really is, and the more compassion we give the world, the better off the people are around us and the more we affect good in each of us. And so I'm not trying to preach but uh, what I'm trying to understand is that we have a duty in this life to suffer for others, but we have to use our suffering as a testimonial to how to create hope for other people. And that is the bottom line. But according to Buddhism, we living beings are trapped in a cycle of existence known as samsara. And samsara, we, we wonder, unbearable suffering day and night, year after year, life after life, because the tight grip of all uh, of our grasping at self, trying to be and define who we are, trying to make who we are more important than the essence of who we are in this life. I would say we are souls living a human life. And what that really means is underneath us is the most resilient part of us, our will, which is our soul, our essence. And that soul only understands the most universal language of all human beings, and that is compassion. Compassion for you and compassion for itself. And I would also suggest to you that dogs understand compassion for human beings, and human beings understand compassion for dogs. And that's why we have such wonderful relationship, because underneath human language and our human, what we're entitled to as human beings is our souls, and that's where our souls match up with dogs, but we could do a much better job offering the same thing to each other. You know, uh, Buddha once said, all I teach is suffering and the end of suffering. And, and it doesn't necessarily mean grave physical uh, pain, but rather the mental suffering we undergo when we tend to hold on to uh, uh, pleasure encounters with fleeting nature of life, always looking for the next, uh, you know, gratification and pleasure encounter that we can have. And quite frankly, a lot of people develop suicidality because they come to find that they keep wanting more pleasure and more pleasure and more pleasure, but life doesn't always offer us more pleasure and more pleasure and more pleasure. What it does offer us is a chance to enjoy what we have. What we have is where we begin. And the more we make peace with what we have and build on what we have, the more we appreciate anything that comes. You know, uh, if, if we think about the fact that we have these ingredients within our character of, of uh, you know, unsettledness, uh, especially around uh, uh, faith, irritation, impatience, annoyance, frustration, disappointment, dissatisfaction, aggravation, tension, stress, anxiety, you know, pain, vexation, desperation, sorrow, you know, sadness, suffering, misery, agony, anguish. All these words are things that we go through in this life. And some we do them to ourselves. And that is the amazing thing. That's why if you have 
a healthy relationship with friends and people that surround you that are healthy emotionally, they're able to give you balance from those very heavy things. But when people sit in their head and they ruminate about their agony and their depression, their suffering, their anxiety, how light, how their life is out of control, that leads people to suicidality. And so what we have to understand is suicidality has everything to do with pain management. And if a person doesn't understand how to self-regulate their emotions, they have a tendency to move into a manic state of suicidality because they have no medication that can help them get away from their pain outside of maybe drinking themselves to death or taking some kind of drug, probably laced with fentanyl. And that's never going to result in a good thing. You know, there, there's all kinds of uh, uh, suffering and, and we have to look at that and, and impermanence can be something that really causes an idea of suffering because we are not on this planet to live here forever. We are on this planet to live a certain amount of time and we are mostly uncertain of when that time is up, you know? And, and so the idea is that impermanence or non-substantiality leaves us with a sense of emptiness, especially if we choose to live a life of seclusion, a life where no one suffers for us. Some people have never, ever felt the true depth of love of someone actually stepping into their life and suffering for them. I am so fortunate in my life to have a handful of friends that I know when I was younger stood into my life. I am fortunate to have a marriage where my partner suffers for me, where I am able to suffer for her and I'm able to suffer for my children. It's a great thing. It's a proud thing to have. It's called integrity. And that's when your life is bigger than you. And you hold yourself accountable to do what's right rather than what's easy. Unfortunately, a lot of people look for what's easy and mediocre, and then they complain about it because the results are so bland. So, you know, there's no easy way out of life. If you want to dive into life, you have to suffer. You have to do hard things. You have to apply your brain and your knowledge. You have to evolve, which calls for investing in a process rather than outcomes. And that means that we're always trying to do better in our life. We're always trying to expand our life, make our life richer, create meaning and experiences, create meaning in the places that we go and the people that we meet. Some people go through life and they don't connect with life. Some people could care less about talking to another person. Some people want to be completely secluded in social anxiety. Some people want to be completely left alone. And sadly, they're coping with life. They're not living. If you want to live life, you have to take leaps of faith. You have to step out in the world. But that calls for suffering. And the people are so afraid of that. You know, whenever there's pain of any kind, the pain of aggression, grieving, loss, irritation, resentment, jealousy, you know, indigestion, physical pain. If you really look into it, you can find out for yourself that behind that pain, there's always something that we're attached to. There's always something we're holding on to. And so anytime you care, you're going to suffer. It, it just really depends on how much you care. You know, it's interesting to think that all of our suffering, in a sense, suffering for the sake of others, we continue in this world of evil, pain, and suffering, only because God is still waiting patiently for all his people to be gathered to himself so we can undergo all of our suffering for the sake of those 
who will come to repentance in the future. And so, you know, our life is meant to be a good life. It's meant to be a life full of meaning, full of purpose, full of relationships. But if you live a life of apathy, you live in the opposite. And that is a life without motivation, a life that doesn't care, a life that is just here. And it's sad, but people lose their will. They lose their will to PTSD critical incidents. They lose their will to a naggy, horrible partner, to a narcissist, to a borderline personality. They will destroy you, these kind of people. And that's why you have to understand, you got to get away from those toxic people in your life. You need to either learn how to tolerate them for the moments that you have to deal with them, or you've got to learn to move on because they're only purpose in life, though they may never tell you this, is to break your will and do what they want because they've grown up that way. They've grown up believing they're right. They've grown up believing that they're the only parent that they can trust. And so they go through life thinking, I'm always correct. I'm always smart. And they know how to manipulate. And so their job in this life is to break your will. Your job is to keep your will. If you want to keep your will, Stop responding during a reaction and wait until you logically can respond. Stop making decisions when you're in the reactive phase of life. You make decisions when you're ready to respond. And that's what keeps us more resilient. And that's what helps us suffer less. People that get refunds on everything that they buy tend to buy when they're emotional. They buy when the emotion is high and they don't really think about the consequences of the finances until after they see the bill and then they go get refunds. Costco is, is a great place, but it's also an awful place because you can get refunds on almost everything that you buy there. And so people that buy emotionally are attracted to Costco because they know they can get refunds. And so going there is like going to a big Christmas gift store where you can buy all the things that you want at a cheap price, but it's in bulk, but you're there impulsively buying based on how you feel. And so we really have to understand that we've got to pour into ourselves and, and we have to understand that we need to look at life and understand that if we're going to live life we have to choose the people who we choose to suffer for. Now, if you're going to go out and pick a bipolar partner in your life, well, you're probably going to suffer quite a bit. So you need to be very calculated in what you suffer for. You need to understand that if you're a depressed person and you pick a depressed partner, you're probably picking a partner that's more depressed than you are. If, if you're more of an anxious person and you're picking another anxious partner, you're probably picking somebody that has more anxiety to, than you do. And guess what? That means you're going to target them rather than deal with your own anxiety. If you're going to pick up another depressed partner, you're going to target them instead of your own depression. If you're bipolar, you're going to probably look for somebody that's steady so you can rip their life completely to shreds and impulse buy and do all kinds of crazy things and, and get away with it because you have the, the uh, 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 diagnosis of I'm bought the I'm bipolar. So what do you expect? You know, and so, you know, sadly, just because you have a mental disorder doesn't mean you have to not take accountability. You do have to take accountability. And just because it's intangible doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It does exist. And most people, if you walk around with the expectations rather than preferences, and those expectations never get met, you're probably going to be a rather irritable person. 
And so the, the deal is you have to think in healthy ways in this life. You know, suffering is both a cause and effect of the catastrophic cognitions and, and distressing emotions associated with anything that we predict a negative outcome, whether it's, oh, no, I'm going to get in the car and have an accident, whether it's anxiety, whether it's irritability, whether it's, oh, we're going to lose the game. You know, if, if you think in these negative terms, you're going to fill your life with suffering. Yes, that's depression. That's anxiety. That is psychosis. That's OCD. Suffering, suffering, suffering. And the more you're stagnant and the more you worry about outcomes, the more suffering you're creating for yourself. You know, and, and people don't realize that they are their own worst enemy. And so guess what happens when you lock people up in a room and they can't go outside, they can't go to the grocery store, they have to wear a mask everywhere they go. And they can't talk to that many people unless they do it on a computer. Well, they're going to suffer a lot because they can't do anything. Their rights are taken away. Everything's taken away. Their individuality, their value, who they are is all gone. It's all gone. And so we've learned to live like that. And so our value as human beings has gone down immensely because we learned how unvaluable we really are through this whole process. Now we have to restate our value in life and reinvent ourselves. And now we're dealing with a huge amount of transition globally in the human race, reinventing itself again and again and again because of what we all went through with COVID and with how our totalitarian governments dealt with COVID and put their fingers into every person's life. You know, for people with chronic pain, there's a direct correlation between negative thinking and the level of pain that they experience. A lot of people don't realize that old people are in pain. Lots of old people are in pain. And so we have to understand we've got to work through that. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come right back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Stuck in a state of being that holds us back from creating the life we truly desire. Regardless of your own blocks or limitations, imagine an easier way to get unstuck and move forward with your life. On this show, Jason Hopkins shares his practical next right step approach that will move you toward the life you really want. You too can be steps from getting the abundance, love, support, and fulfillment your heart desires. Get unstuck. Move forward with your life with Jason Hopkins. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, 
please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about why we suffer for another. You know, if you think about it, I, I see lots of couples, and they argue, and they call each other names. They talk to each other inappropriately. They cause so much pain and suffering in each other's lives, and yet they have so little empathy and compassion for the suffering that each other's putting each other through and the suffering that each other is carrying. If people would just think in reverse and actually plug in to the suffering and plug in to the dynamic of what a person might be going through and get outside of your own ego, which is what gets in everybody's way, you might start to discover what it is to be human. You might discover what it is to love, to have compassion for somebody who is blaming you for all the pain they have in their life. Maybe that's what they need. Maybe that's how we vent. Emotions aren't logical. And so, so we as people have to have compassion for emotion. That doesn't mean we solve it. Just because somebody's emotional is not a call to action. Just stand there and accept it. I'm sorry you're going through that. I'm sorry you think that of me. Well, you know, that's a valid thought. I understand. Can't we just be good listeners? Can't we listen to feelings so that our life is more connected with each other? Why do we have to sit there and tell each other what is right? Oh, no, you didn't really do that. Or you left this out. Or this is what you wanted. I know what you're doing. Blah, blah, blah. We love to cause suffering in each other. That, my friend, is called a bully. If you want to be that as a spouse, that's called abuse. Think about it. You have a calling in this life to have the opportunity in a relationship with another person to understand how to love God by doing what's right for both of you. With, by not causing pain, because you cause your partner pain, you cause yourself pain. It's like spitting in the wind. How stupid can you be? But, you know, people, I, I personally think that stupid should be a diagnosis. There's no medication for it, but I think it'd be a good thing to be honest when people are stupid. So, you know, the thing is, is that we have to understand that, hey, don't cause suffering in your partner. It's hard enough to exist. Be there for them. When they're in pain, stand up on your hind legs and step into it and stop running for the border. It's not going to help you, especially the borders that we have nowadays. All right. So if you understand that everyone suffers, it's part of our human condition, yet suffering can be the doorway to your personal evolution and growth and expansion if you choose to shift your thoughts and perceptions to understanding the suffering rather than running away from the suffering. You know, we're creators of our own suffering by how we take in events that happen in our life. If we choose to make them negative events, if we have a narrative about a person that we hate and they're doing something that we hate, we'll probably stack that narrative and make things even worse. You also understand that we are the creators of our suffering. We cannot stop our own suffering by understanding the root of what causes us to suffer and then take action, whether it's shifting our inner dialogue or doing things differently. But, you know, there's some common reasons that we do this. Num number one is the resistance to impermanence. We want everything to remain the same. 
You don't accept everything that is temporary. Life moves in circles, generating new life. And yes, death and nothing will stop that universal movement. You're not going to stop it. So accepting, which is the root of peace, that everything that exists is only temporary, allows you to release your attachment to things, people, even, even our own definition of ourselves. This is how you continue to learn and evolve, is you lose the definitions of yourself and let them grow and grow and grow and build on what is good. If you're the smartest person in the room, go to the room where people are smarter than you. You know, seeing yourself as separate and disconnected is another thing that causes a person to suffer. There's a lot of people in this world that have been neglected and they don't understand their value. And a life that is connected like a giant network may appear different, but its core is made of the same elements as the earth, the, the stars and all living beings. But here, you know, talking out, uh, out in this, all this generality and crap like that, but the deal is in the essence of our relationships is the happiest, most profound moments in our life. That's how we grow is relationships. And if you have no relationships, you're not going to have growth. If you are scared and experience social anxiety and don't want to go out in the world and make relationships and start a conversation and observe something good about somebody and give them a compliment, you know, can't you just reach out just a little and give some generosity and some kindness to life? Can't you be gracious? Can't we do that a little bit and, and see what comes back? I imagine good things. You know, all our personal and collective problems arise from the illusion of separateness. But we're not separate. We are souls all connected through compassion. If we embrace our inherent unity, our problems will go away eventually. And so we have to understand that we do better together as a people than we do separate. However, we don't do better when we have toxic people in our life. And so what we have to do is segregate the herd, meaning don't go in the pool where people are toxic. Go to where people are more healthy and start to look at people as more good than they are bad. Look at people as more right than they are wrong. Then you will have the ability to connect with all people. So, you know, when you choose an identity like narcissists do, that I am this, or I am that, or I'm always happy, or I'm always the life of the party. I'm this, I'm sexiest person alive, whatever, whatever you want to call yourself. Those things are identities that you have to maintain. And if you're a child and you lie, because I know I did, I lied a lot when I was younger. And basically in lying, you have to maintain the lie. It's really easy to lie. It's the maintaining of the lie that's the hard part. And so that's a lot of work and that's a lot of suffering. So the more honest you live your life, the more you evolve your identity rather than cling to an identity, you tend to find yourself ebbing and flowing with life, adapting to the changes that happen where things are not as negative as you thought they would be. It also, uh, uh, people have the expectation that reality is going to be different than what it is. And that's another form of suffering. So anytime you want or demand that your reality be different than what it is, you suffer because of the desire that it's different. And so you resist what's in front of you and suffer. Only by accepting what is can take you, it can take action that changes your situation. You have to accept it and then take action. Your desire to have it be different 
is only useful if you consider it as an aspiration and take action to bring you closer to that state. That means influencing the state, but not necessarily having it perfect. Perfectionism will drive you absolutely insane. We're not meant to be perfect. Stop trying to be perfect. You know, listening to outside forces instead of listening to your own truth is another crazy maker. A lot of people, you know, uh, believe that they have to live life consultatively. I'm sorry. If you have peace in your life, if you have prayer in your life, if you have the ability for your brain to calm down and not freak out at every given moment, if you learn how to manage your anxiety and your depression, your intuition will start to come through. I would call that as a Christian, God's voice. But the real truth is, is that that voice, that intuition is meant to guide you through life and teach you how to read the room and read the possibilities of what you need to do. And that is where we're the most resilient. You know, if we also live a divided life, like we live one way at work and another way at home, or we're one way as a parent and we're another way as an adult, or we're one way as a husband or wife and another way as as a, a, a son or whatever, or a daughter to, to our parents. You know, living dual lives and living all this divided lives is a lot of work and a lot of suffering. You need to be one. Come into your own. Discover who your identity is. And how do you do that? Character is the ability to make decisions. So the more decisions you start make, and it doesn't mean you can't change your mind, but the more decisions you start to make, the better your life becomes because now people understand how to love you. Make decisions and people know how to love you. The indecisive, nobody knows how to love you. Your value goes way down when you're indecisive. And if you also choose fear over love, you choose not to live. You know, you can live your life in fear, but if you choose fear, your, your options are going to be very pragmatic and very calculated and very over-perfectionistic and have a lot less flavor than if we throw ourselves in life. Fear produces thoughts that cause a contraction of our hearts, our minds, and our bodies. You restrict yourself. You protect yourself from life. But we're meant to live in leaps of faith. That's what we're created for. Our whole life is leaps of faith. Buy a house, get married, have kids, become this career, that career, go to this school, go move to this state, buy that car, all of it, everything, every get going to the grocery store, everything is a leap of faith. If you can learn to make each leap of faith a journey and experiential learning and possibilities, you're going to have a lot of fun in life. But if you're going to live in fear, you're just going to wither up and your life will be filled with very little meaning. And that's the sad truth. But when you live for love, everything becomes possible. Also, life is dynamic and it's ever-changing and it can be very unpredictable. So you have to learn to dance with whatever comes towards you. You will suffer when you seek the illusion of safety and security because what you are seeking out there can only be found within yourself. So trusting yourself and what you stand for is critical in the moment. It's the only way to ground yourself in groundlessness, which is what life offers us. You know, dance with whatever comes towards you. That is how we navigate life. Living in the past or the future, it, that's death. 
You might enjoy memories more than that you aren't attached to having to be the same now as it was then, but you can aspire uh, the, for the future if you accept it as a possibility and not a certainty. Life is meant to be, be lived in possibilities. The most dynamic discussions you can have with your spouse, with your partner, is the possibilities of life. Throw out the budget. Dream together. That is what makes life good. People that play the victim suffer constantly. If you are going to label yourself as, I'm this, you did this to me, they did this to me. If you're going to live like that, you're you're suffering all day long, 24 by 7. You know, whiners will suck the soul straight out of your body. If you have to sit there and listen to somebody whine, they want you to suffer for them. They want you to suffer with them. They want you to be a part of their suffering. No. Healthy is being empathetic. Stand on top of the mountain and say, I'll throw you the rope when you're ready after they've jumped off the cliff. Okay? That is the where we're supposed to be. Give them the healthy place to go to. You know, people, when you choose things that, that compromise your health, your well-being, and spiritual growth, you deny the very things that you need to be happy and healthy. You know, learning to say no to things that are not good in your life is called self-love. And if you can do self-love, you can learn how to love another. You can't love another if you don't know how to love yourself. And that's the problem. A lot of people project the hate that they have for themselves on a loving partner. Sadly, that it, it turns into sourness and resentment, and that can turn everything upside down. You know, you, 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 you have a shadow within you. Everybody does. And there's always things we don't like about ourselves. There's always traumas that need to be healed. And when you run from those problems, those parts of yourself, those that shadow self can become uh, never be reconciled, forgiven and healed. And it just drags along behind you everywhere you go as a wrecking ball. Coming to terms with difficult emotions you feel means being compassionate with yourself, loving yourself just as you are, understanding that all fe all feelings are not meant to be fixed they're meant to be validated and heard the more you try to solve your feelings logically the more you're going to exacerbate your feelings in a negative way you know the wholeness and this comes from carl Jung. the wholeness for humans depends on the ability to own your own shadow unapologetically recognize your flaws you know that our suffering comes from our denial of our uh, our nature, our lack of uh, uh, appreciation for our, our connectedness to all things, our, our resistance to impermanence and our addictions and attachments to things that only bring temporary relief. Suffering is always present. But if we offer our suffering to something worthy of our pain and grief, we will transform not only ourselves, but eventually our world. That means we have to learn to suffer for people in our life if we want to experience true love in return all right that's our show thanks for listening i love hearing from you and some of our best shows come from your ideas and you can reach me through voiceamerica.com the empowerment channel dr gary bell's absurd psychology now remember to live is to suffer to survive is to find meaning in suffering that's Frederick Nietzsche. Also, the tingling feeling when you like someone is common sense leaving your body. Also, motivation lasts as long as bathing. 
<laughs> also, forgive your enemies so they will experience being annoyed. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 